told me, go make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely once I was seven years old. It was a big, big world, but we thought we were bigger. Pushing each other to the limits, we were learning quicker. By 11, smoking herb and drinking burning liquor. Never rich, so we were out to make that steady bigger. Once I was 11 years old, my daddy told me, go get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. Once I was 11 years old. Writing songs, I started writing stories Something about that glory Just always seemed to bore me Cause only those I really love Will ever really know me Once I was 20 years old My story got told Before the morning sun When life was lonely Once I was 20 years old I only see my goals I don't believe Cause I know the smallest voices, they can make it major I got my boys with me, at least those in favor And if we don't meet before I leave, I hope I'll see you later Once I was 20 years old, my story got told I was writing about everything I saw before me Traveled around the world and we're still roaming Soon we'll be 30 years old I'm still learning about life My woman brought children for me So I can sing them all my songs And I can tell them stories Most of my boys are with me Some are still out seeking glory And some I had to leave behind My brother, I'm still sappy Soon I'll be 60 years old My Daddy got 61, remember life and then your life becomes a better one I made a man so happy when I wrote a letter once I hope my children come and visit once or twice a month Soon I'll be 60 years old Will I think the world is cold or will I have a lot of children who can bore me Well, 
welcome to Live the Light, a show about personal growth through spirituality, and I'm your host, psychic, medium, intuitive, and artist, Nicole Bowman. So I just want to first stop and thank you guys so much for taking a moment to share your light with me and uh, and supporting the show. Um, I've had a lot of listeners over the years, and I kind of took a long hiatus. Um, there were a series of losses in my family. I was traveling internationally a lot, and so it was difficult to keep up with the show, but I'm back. Um, I felt the call and push from spirit to, to get back into the swing of things and to do this special show tonight. Um, Live the Light will normally air on Wednesdays from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, but tonight this is a very, very special show. We're going to be talking about the spiritual reasons behind the Orlando shootings, the Charleston Nine, and, and Columbine Massacre uh, a number of years ago. So we're going to be looking at the spiritual connection there versus the social connection or the political connection. We're going to look at it through a spiritual lens. But before we do, I'm led to open in prayer. Um, so I'm just going to surround us with the light of the Holy Spirit. And I call on the energy of our guides and ancestors who are evolved and here to help us. My prayer and affirmation is that I be a clear channel for the divine, this show be a place of light and healing and empowerment, and that people walk away from this show uh, feeling happy, feeling uplifted, and ready to make a difference. And it is so. Amen. All right. So um, I just want to get right into it. Um, you know, I was thinking about uh, this show, and as I was thinking about preparing for it, I, I was sitting down to create an outline and think about how I was going to do that. And as I was praying about it, my guides just said, you know, don't even put an outline together. Just allow it to flow, and it will come. So um, what I'm led to do right now, actually, is I have a deck of my Oracle cards in front of me, and I was shuffling them prior to the show starting. So I'm, I'm going to begin by opening with a message for all of us to meditate on and think about, and then we'll get deeper into uh, some of these tragedies and what these tragedies are trying to teach us. So, you know, as I connect and tap in, I'm just turning my cards. I wish you could see them. But um, as I connect and tap in, the major message that I'm getting from spirit is that, you know, it's so important for us, um, not just on the Internet, but in our daily lives, when we see injustice, when we see bullying, when we see negativity and harm happening, to speak up and, and do something, to speak up and say something, to speak up and not be silent. You know, I, I think it's a lot easier to be silent. I think it's a lot easier to turn our heads when negativity or pain or racism or sexism or homophobia happens. But one of the things that I found in my own life especially is that I found that when I confront prejudice head on, when I begin to ask bigger questions, when I stand up for what I believe in, nine times out of 10, that negative negativity, that pain, that opposition, oftentimes it tends to flee. And if it doesn't flee, what happens is we open up for a bigger conversation. So what Spirit is basically stating is, you know, it's wonderful for us to um, share our concerns and our dreams and our goals and our things on the internet, but I feel that we really need to put that into practice in our daily life because that is really where it counts. 
Okay, so um, I just want to go into the Orlando shootings, and at this point, um, I'm sure that many of you listening are familiar. A little over a week ago, there was uh, a, a number of fatal shootings at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida. And for those of you who may not be familiar with Pulse, but I think you probably are by now, Pulse is a gay nightclub. So gays, lesbians, transgender, the LGBT community, that's basically a safe space where we can go, where we can hang, where we have a great time, have fun, you know, and I used to live in Orlando. I, I've since moved to the Miami area, but prior to moving to Miami, I actually lived in Orlando, and uh, I was actually planning to go to Pulse a number of years ago and just never got out there, but I'm, I'm pretty familiar with that area, and I've frequented that area before, so when I heard about the shootings, um, I mean, needless to say, I was saddened. Um, I, I wasn't exactly shocked. But but I was I was deeply saddened by the people who lost their lives and by the friends and family members that are, are are to grieve them and to move forward and to begin anew, you know. And as I was looking at the Pulse shootings and the connection there, I also began to think about the Charleston Nine, um, the nine African American parishioners who were at Bible study just a year ago who had been murdered, you know, um, shot down dead. And I was thinking about one of them in particular, there was a young man, and he said he pretended to be dead so that the gunman couldn't get to him, you know. And, and there was another person in particular, the gunman pointed at the person and said, I'm going to let you live so you can tell this story, you know. And um, it's challenging, you know, it, it, it's really, really difficult um, when as a psychic medium and intuitive, I'm seeing people lose their physical lives. Um, while I know that on a soul level, the soul continues on and there really is no death, um, so many people are losing their lives in such a tragic way. And I wonder if we as a people are ever really learning anything. Are we ever really learning that violence, self-hate, fear, these things are really not the answer. You know, these are things that only further separate us, you know, and I was thinking so much about the Charleston Nine, especially because they're in South Carolina in a historic black church. They were there worshiping, you know, and to me it was so similar to the Pulse nightclub because, you know, for those of you who may not be openly gay or bisexual or transgender, you know, you may not necessarily relate to this, but within the LGBT community, there aren't really very many places where we can go to feel free and to feel happy and to feel excited and feel connected. So in, in a very odd roundabout sort of way, a club or a bar can become like a sanctuary. And so for a person to come into a sanctuary and to, 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 to take so many lives is a tragedy and it's, it's a travesty. And as I was connecting and tapping in, I began to think about Columbine. You know, a, a number of years ago, um, in the late 90s, there was a horrible tragedy where two gunmen came in and, and murdered a number of students, you know, in, uh, in Colorado. And um, all of these tragedies are, are connected. You know, all of them have connections to gun violence. But I would also say all of them have connections to what I sense and feel we are telling young men. Um, and the reason I point to young men is because what I've noticed in many of the massacres in the United States of America specifically is that all of these gunmen who have done these mass shootings have been male. You know, and, and my question was, what are we teaching our boys? 
are we teaching them that forcing somebody to submit to you, to dominating another person, are we teaching them that that's what masculinity is? You know, because it surely seems to be this way. You know, I think um, not even connected to Columbine, but I think back to uh, uh, a couple of years ago where there was a young man in Southern California, you know, and he said that because girls weren't interested in him and didn't want to date him, he wanted to shoot up a sorority house. You know, and my, and my thought is, what are we teaching our young men? What are we teaching them about masculinity? Are we teaching them to be fathers? Are we teaching them to be nurturing? Are we teaching them to be loving? Or are we teaching them that masculinity is dominance? Are we teaching them that masculinity is control? Are we teaching them that masculinity is annihilating another person and making another person bow down and submit to you? You know, and as I connect and tap in, I feel like that's exactly what our teaching we're teaching our young males, because that's the behavior that they're starting to emulate. That's the behavior they're starting to replicate. And as I tap into that psychically, you know, the question becomes, well, well how can we change this? What can we do about this? And the only thing I know to change this and turn this around each and every one of us to try to develop a deeper spiritual practice, to try to develop a connection with our higher power, to try to develop a connection with our guides, our ancestors, the divine. Because the thing is, when you're connected to that universal consciousness, when you're connected to a place of pure love, you don't need to denigrate anybody else. You know, um, when you are involved in your religion from a pure place of love and acceptance and peace and personal growth, it isn't about dominating, quote unquote, non-believers, you know, in order to feel as if you have some sort of power or control. And, you know, I, I feel like to a certain degree, uh, we as Americans, but we as a world have missed the mark. Um, and even though I'm, I'm touching on masculinity and what many of our young men feel concerning what it means to be a man, you know, women are not exempt from this either. This involves all of us. Women and men are raising the children, you know. And uh, when I look at this, I really sense and feel that what is missing is knowing where our power comes from. And one of the things I can tell you from doing a lot of mediumship readings where people have crossed over, um, from doing a lot of psychic readings and working with a lot of clients who were in places of crisis, is that your power does not come from who you make submit to you. Your power doesn't come from denigrating people. It doesn't come from violence. It, it doesn't come from those things in the outside world. It really comes from the connection to a higher power and to the divine. You know, that that is where true power comes from, and it never ends, and, you know, and it, and it lasts forever. Um, you know, as I, I'm talking about this, I'm led to share a personal experience because I was thinking about the Orlando shootings, and I was thinking about the shooter, um, and I have some feelings about him and, and what's going on with him. Um, I'm not exactly ready to share all of that yet, maybe at a later date. But I want to share what has been in the headlines about his connection to ISIS, the terrorist organization, you know. And, um, and I think we have to need to look at that very deeply, at why he, as um, a Muslim American, is being labeled a terrorist. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we find that there was actually another shooter in California who is non-Muslim who is not being labeled a terrorist. You know, I, I think we have to look 
at racism. I think we have to look at Islamophobia. I think we have to look at the fear of the other and how that causes us to put up walls and barricades and buy more guns in an effort to defend ourselves. You know, um, I, I'm not on any level defending the government and defending this heinous tragedy because it, it's not something that can be defended. I don't really feel like it's something that can be argued necessarily, but I do sense and feel that when it comes to these tragedies, it is forcing us as Americans and us as a world to have a deeper look at ourselves and have a deeper look at how our country started. You know, I, I was thinking and praying about this a lot, you know, and I was debating whether or not to talk about the issue of race um, and the issue of sexuality and things of this nature, because when it really boils down to it, the spirit world does not hold those things in, 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 in necessarily uh, of the most importance. You know, what they show is what is inside your heart, your thoughts, what is pure, what is true, and what is clear for you. That's what the spirit world pushes for. That's what the spirit world focuses on. They're not so much focused on your sexuality. They're not so much focused on your gender identity or your race. But unfortunately, we as human beings are. You know, we put a lot of weight on our race, on our religion, on whatever our culture appears to be. And I think that as Americans, one of the reasons why we're going through these tragedies again and again and again is because we're not really dealing with how our country came to be what it was. We're not really dealing with the fact that our country was built on the, black, on the backs of people of color. We're not dealing with the fact that for a number of years, people of color and women and children weren't even considered people, that, that women in this country couldn't even own property couldn't vote, that people of color couldn't vote, that people of color couldn't own property. We have to deal with the fact that if we are oppressing each other, and if that's how our country started, it stands to reason that these issues are going to come to the forefront again so that we're forced to deal with them. You know, and, and I have to say, you know, in a lot of respects, slavery and, and the act of slavery homophobia and, um, and denying women rights, you know, these were mistakes that our ancestors made. This was poor judgment. This was behavior that was cruel, that was violent, that was sociopathic, that was narcissistic. You know, um, these are mistakes that our ancestors made. But at the same time, are we going to repeat their mistakes? Or are we going to look to our history, learn from it, atone from it, and move forward? You know, and I sense and feel that the reason we're experiencing these huge acts of violence is because we're at a crucial point, not just in American history, but in world history, where we could potentially change the course of things, where we can look back and say, yes, we had a history that was heavy, that was dark, that was negative, that was brutal. We denied people rights. We sold people into slavery. We, we forced people off of their land. And we've never acknowledged that that was so. We've never acknowledged that that's how we amassed our wealth. We've never acknowledged these things. I think it's time to do so. You know, I, I think it's time to give an apology to the Native Americans who were thrown off their land and were massacred. I think it's time to give an apology to many of the children who came here from Europe who were indentured servants. I think it's time to apologize to the slaves who were considered three-fifths of a man. And this was in our Constitution. How can you be three-fifths of a man? 
You know, I, I think it's time for us to go back to Stonewall and to revere the Marsha P. Johnsons. I, I, I think it's time for us to revere the Harvey Milks. I, I, I think it's time for us to, to stand up and revere the Harry Hayes of the world. Sometimes in America, you know, we, we don't want to deal with the past because the past is so painful. But the thing about it is if you don't reach back to your past and learn from it and find a way to heal it, follows you. A number of years ago, um, God rest her soul, there was a very well-known um, author who, who was a part of the Hay House community. Uh, her name was Debbie Ford. And she wrote a book called The Shadow Effect. And she also wrote another book called The Dark Side of Light Chasers. And in this particular book, what she was talking about with the shadow side of our, ourselves was the shadow is a part of us that we don't want to face. It's the part of us that we just don't want to see. We don't want to look at it. You know, maybe we have a drug problem. Maybe we have a drinking problem. Maybe we have a self-esteem issue. Um, maybe we're not accepting and loving of ourselves. Maybe we have a jealousy issue. But it's whatever part of you that you're somewhat ashamed of or you don't want the world to see. And Debbie's theory was if you bring the shadow into the light, it no longer has any power over you. If you own the shadow and, and dare I say, love the shadow, it can no longer rule you. you know, and, and I think that's what we're being called to do in the United States of America. Um, racism is our shadow. You know, prior to uh, the, the transatlantic slave trade, race didn't exist. It was actually created by our founding fathers for the purposes of economics. If you were white, you came in as a member of the working class. If you were black, you came in as a slave. And so essentially what happened is you had a lot of Europeans coming in, denying their Italian heritage, denying their German heritage, denying their Romanian heritage, and simply becoming white. And this is economics. And then you have on the other side, people coming from Africa, denying that they're from Cameroon, denying that they're from uh, different parts of West Africa, denying these things, and simply being labeled black. So this is a social construct, and, and it's, no re, you know, it, it's no joke why the spirit world doesn't exactly recognize it or totally understand it, but are trying to, because it's something that we as human beings created for the purposes of exploitation, economics, and world dominance. And, you know, I, I think that we need to just look deeper. Because at the end of the day, we're not white, we're not black, we're not straight, we're not gay. We are spirit. We're people and we're the people of earth. And until we own our shadows and the fact that the only people that were able to vote or own property or anything of this nature were the white male aristocracy, until we are honest about that and honest about the fact that what our forefathers did well, maybe they felt it was divinely guided, was sociopathic and narcissistic. To not allow a woman to own property, 
to make a child your property, to make people of color and their children your property, to strip them of their language, to strip them of their heritage, to strip them of their ability to worship their God, which is their power source. Reaching back to Africa is wrong. It's not okay. And in the spiritual community, you know, I, I can just say this firsthand, being a psychic medium and intuitive, we have kind of this huge fascination with African gods and goddesses, and we kind of have this huge fascination with Native American spirits. But how are we going to have Native American spirit guides and hate Native American people and deny them their right to exist? It doesn't make sense. How are you going to love Shango? but then ignore the lives of the people who look like Shango. You know, I think we have to look a little bit deeper. I think we have to get more curious, and I think we have to get a little bit more honest about the fact that the seed that was planted by our forefathers, while it was meant for us on some level to grow and flourish, it was meant for a select group of people. It was for the white male aristocracy, you know, and, and that needs to change. It needs to change. And until we acknowledge that, um, until we own that, until we own our own self-hate, until we own our own prejudices, because we are all prejudiced on some level, myself included, I would love to say I'm totally evolved and I never have prejudices and I never think a negative thought, but it's not true. If I did, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in this physical body living out life. So I think that what it really is is we have to be more honest. We've got to be more honest. Um, so I'm going to go to a quick break, um, and I'm going to put on a song. Um, and then I'll come back and share some thoughts, and uh, hopefully we'll get to the phone lines, and maybe I can do a reading or two. Um, if you would like to call in for a quick reading, uh, the call-in number is 607-203-5465. Once again, 607-203-5465. And so I'm led to put on a little bit of Michael Jackson, so I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to put on Man in the Mirror, and I'll be coming back in just a second. And thank you guys so much for sharing your light with me. Gonna make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. And as I turn up the collarbone, my favorite winter code, the wind is blowing my mind. I see the in the street. Not enough to eat. Who am I to be blind? Pretending not to see them.
channel. If you are just tuning in, this is Liz Light, a show about personal growth through spirituality. And I'm your host, psychic, medium, and intuitive, Nicole Bowman. And I want to thank you again for connecting and tapping in and sharing your light with me. Um, tonight, we're focusing on the spiritual lessons and meanings behind the Orlando shootings, the Charleston Nine, and the Columbine Massacre. Um, and, and I wanted to talk and try at least on some level, to make a sense of, of some of these tragedies. Um, so uh, just so you know, I, I, I know I may be jumping around with my words a little bit, um, but I, I'm communicating with my guides as, I, as I'm talking about this. So I'm trying to share it in a way that, that is going to be a way that's going to touch people's hearts. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Columbine. Um, for those of you who may not remember this, or maybe you're too young, actually, to, to remember this, the Columbine Massacre happened in the late 90s. Um, the Columbine High School in, in Colorado, there were two gunmen um, who shot a number of students, um, and many of them lost their lives, and countless others were injured. And it was a town that was forever changed because of this act of violence. And I remember this massacre because at the time I was in high school. So when I saw many of these young people losing their lives, I related to them because I was around the same age as many of the kids who passed on. And there was one uh, fatality in particular that really stuck out to me. There was a girl named Rachel Joy Scott. Um, and, and her story really touched me and moved me. Um, Rachel Joy Scott was a born-again Christian. Um, she was very, very excited with her faith in God and her faith in Jesus. Um, and the thing about Rachel as well is that she was very psychic and very intuitive. Um, shortly after her death, her parents discovered a number of journals where she had actually written about her death. And what Rachel actually said is that she knew that the year that the Columbine massacre occurred, she knew that was going to be her last year. She just sort of had a feeling. And friends and family members talk about Rachel, and they say that she always said that she was going to die young. You know, and, and Rachel was not a sad person. She wasn't depressed. She didn't have a mental illness or anything of that nature. Um, but she just knew with certainty that she was, she was going to die young. And in her journal, uh, there, there was a picture that she drew of her eyes with tears falling down. And these tears seemed to be watering a rose. And as the tears hit the rose, they seemed to turn into blood. And just beneath the rose was the columbine, which is the flower that the school was named after. And in Rachel's journal, you know, after she passed away and her father got it back from the police, there was a, a bullet hole through the journal. But on this page, the, the, you know, her father turned it and, and it said, you know, my death is not a suicide. I would call it homicide. The world we live in is what created this tragedy. Um, Rachel's story really touched me because she was wise beyond her years, pairing herself. She knew that she was going to change the world. And she knew on some level that her ability to change the world was going to create her pain and going to cause her pain. But she knew there was redemption. She knew there was resurrection, and she knew that her life would touch millions. And Rachel had this theory, and the theory was that one act of sincere compassion could create a chain reaction to change the world. And her father tells this story about one day she was sitting and watching Oprah, 
And she turned to her dad and she said, Daddy, I'm going to be on Oprah one day. And sure enough, a number of years after her, her passing, she was on Oprah. Her journal was on Oprah. Her parents were on Oprah. What I think that we can take from Rachel's story and, and many others that lost their lives in Columbine and the gunman too, what I think that we can take from the story is that each and every one of us is on this earth to live out a specific purpose. Each and every one of us is on this earth, I feel, those of us who are coming from a pure and sincere place, we're here to leave this world a little bit better than we left it. We're here to let people know that there is something after death and we do go on. We're here to let people know that we are eternal and that love and joy and compassion and, uh, dare I say, magic is real. You know, and Rachel's challenge was to be kind to other people, to show that compassion, because it might just start a chain reaction. And I can say with absolute certainty that despite the pain and the confusion and all the things that happened, Rachel Joy Scott lived out her purpose. And one of the things that I also see um, when I look at those who passed away in Columbine, um, many of those souls who, who passed away, many of those souls that were injured, um, part of their soul contract was to change the world, was to show us our shadow, was to show us the parts of ourselves we don't want to see so we could transform and change. And so they lived out their purpose. Personally, it saddens me that some of these things happen through acts of violence. And I feel like that's what we need to stop. Because at the end of the day, you're not killing anybody. We don't die. We live on. And souls go on to the spirit world. And they have to deal with the trauma. The gunmen and the people that committed these acts, they have to deal with what they did in the afterlife. And I want to be clear, it's not about a heaven or a hell. It's really not that. Um, it, it is more about looking at yourself, looking at who you truly are, and looking at the legacy you left. You know, uh, do you want to live or leave a legacy of joy and peace and empowerment? Or do you want to leave a legacy of fear and pain and separation? You know, and I'm going to tell you that those people who committed those acts of violence, they have to atone for that in the spirit world. And it's really not about punishment, but it is in the spirit world, certain levels just have to be earned. And if your soul, your mind, your spirit is not in the right place to ascend and evolve, you just don't. You know, and, you know, you stay in limbo until you learn your lessons. And so while we're here and while we're physical, why not create a chain reaction of compassion? Why not create a chain reaction of love and positivity and accepting people for who they are? You know, and, and before I move on to one final point before going to readings for the night, I want to be clear, you know, I, I'm not uh, putting down or promoting any particular religion. I myself, I'm a solitary magical practitioner. I'm a psychic. I'm a medium. I don't subscribe to any particular religion, but I see the beauty and the wisdom in all of them. And I think it's important to understand that if a person chooses to go the path of religion, 
in order to better know God and in order to better know and understand themselves and they're not hurting anybody and they're not mistreating anybody, have at it. You know, um, at the end of the day, you know, when we cross over, you know, if our hearts and our energies are pure, we all fall into the arms of the divine consciousness, you know, no matter what religion you are. And I've seen that from people of all different backgrounds who have passed on. So, you know, I I just, I want to be clear about that. Um, So before I go to the phone lines, I, I, I feel like I need to talk about the Orlando shootings and I need to talk about the Charleston Nine. And I want to talk about the Orlando shooting specifically because as a medium, one of the things that I do, um, and it's not something that I charge for, it's just something that I do on my own time when I'm not doing readings for people, I focus in on helping souls cross over. And I I felt a pull and a push from my guides to do a candle for the 49 people who lost their lives in the Orlando shootings. And um, I will also be doing a candle for their family members pretty soon too. And as I was doing the candle and, and beginning to work on it, you know, I felt myself beginning to cry. And that crying was really about releasing. It was about piercing the veil between this world and the next and letting those souls ascend and do what they need to do. And when I connected and tapped into those souls, some of them came out individually and spoke to me, but they also seemed to speak in a collective, if that makes sense, um, in a group, kind of like a tribe. And one of the things that they told me is that each and every one of them had a mission and a goal in their soul chart to change the world and to drive home the point that love is love and to drive home the point that if we keep on trying to solve violence with violence, we're all going to go blind. And that was their purpose. And they lived out their purpose. Some of them didn't realize, you know, because the human part of us forgets when we come into this world, but some of them didn't realize that they were going to die tragically in the process. But they knew what their sole purpose was. And, you know, I want to be clear, if any of the, the family members or people who are, are listening, um, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to excuse what happened. I'm not trying to mollify it or make it better. I'm simply telling you as a psychic and medium kind of what I receive about this situation and about this tragedy. But they did live out their purposes. They did do what they came here to do. They did change the world. They did change people's minds and drive home the point that love is love and drive home the point that, you you know, you can't cure violence with violence. And I feel that we as a people need to get that. Our world leaders certainly need to get that. Um, The greed, the desire to control uh, the Middle East and their oil source, the desire to control Africa and its natural resources, that is what puts us in some of these impossible situations. It's greed that's motivating so many of these things. And um, it's not simplistic. Um, It's it's very, very layered, you know. So in a one-hour show, I I don't think we can possibly tackle all of those things. But I feel that we can look at, as individuals, what we can do, you know. And, And I would definitely say, Um, if you have friends or acquaintances that are LGBT or people of color or women and you see that person 
being put down, being mistreated. You see that happening publicly. Or you see that happening on a social media forum. Speak up. You know, let it be known that it's wrong. Let it be known that it's wrong to put people down. Let it be known that it's wrong to slut-shame women. Let it be known that it's wrong to attract, to attack trans women. Let it be known that it's wrong to attract, to attack gays and lesbians. Let it be known that it's wrong to, to shoot unarmed black children like they're wild animals in the middle of the street. It's wrong. You know, that, that hashtag all lives matter that's often meant to deflect from black lives mattering. Well, at the end of the day, all lives do matter. And we need to get on board with that. And we need to stop allowing our fear to override us. Because I can tell you this, when you pierce that veil and you pass over, your race is not really an issue, but your consciousness is. And how you are here physically is how you are in the spirit world. So if there's prejudice and there's hatred and there's violence, you will find yourself in a spirit world that has that energy. If there's love and there's peace and there's acceptance, you will find yourself in a spirit world that has that energy. Those levels have to be earned. Um, you know, even though I know that many of these souls that lost their lives, they they, they did make a difference, you know, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't speak of the Charleston Nine, who part of their mission was to raise this conversation about racism in the United States of America. That was their purpose. That was the purpose of Sandra Bland, you know, who was illegally arrested and found hanging in her jail cell. Their purpose was to open up this conversation about race in America and slavery, because that is our shadow. That, that is why we've amassed all of this wealth. And I think we're not willing to talk about it because there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anger on both sides. But it's not about saying I'm wrong for what my ancestors did. It's more saying, no, no, this is what our ancestors did. It was wrong and let's correct it. You know, so there's, there's a marked difference between the two. Um, but I'm going to go to the phone lines in just a second um, and, and do some readings. Um, but before I do, I, I just want to say to the souls that crossed over in Orlando, the souls that crossed over in Charleston, and the souls that crossed over in Columbine, you are loved, you are wanted, you are so needed. And for those of you who have not already done so, rise up, rise in power, and take your place among the ancestors. Help us, guide us, uh, help us to continue to imagine a new world, a better world, maybe not a perfect world, but perhaps a kinder world. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and go to the phone lines and um, just to let everyone know, um, these will be many readings, so I, I won't be able to do a long reading. Um, I'll be able to answer one question. So uh, just give me your name, where you're calling from, and what your question is, and I'll answer that for you. Um, and if you would like a more in-depth reading, you can go to NicoleBowman.biz. Once again, that is www.NicoleBowman.biz. 
So I'm going to go ahead and go to the phone lines, and I'm going to pick up area code 562. So just give me one moment, and I'll pull you up. Okay. Area code 562, you're on the air. Where are you calling from, and what's your name? Hi, Nicole. I'm calling from Long Beach, California, and my name is Rondrea. Rondrea, well, it's a pleasure. And uh, what is your – actually, you know what? I'm feeling something from spirit, so I'm just going to go with it, and then we'll get into your question, Okay. Okay. All right. So the major thing that I see right now for you, and this is the message coming from your guides, they're basically stating that you have to expect people to be who they are, not who you want them to be. Um, what I get from spirit, not just about your relationships, but also about your life, um, is, is spirit is saying, try not to force things, try to allow it and let it, to, let it be if that makes sense. Um, and when I connect and tap into your energy, I get the strong sense and impression that this year you're actually giving birth to something. Your energy is really, really creative. I feel like over the past six months or so, you've been hibernating a little bit. I get the sense and impression you've kind of been in your shadow, so to speak. And what Spirit is basically saying is the latter half of this year is about you stepping into the light. It's about giving birth to your creations. It's about being out in the world. Um, but the big thing that Spirit is saying is, in being out in the world, you have to share that light with people who can see it and feel it. If someone doesn't want to be in your light and they don't want to share that, you just need to let them go and bless them with love, but let them go. Um, but with that being said, what's your question? Oh, my question was, um, how am I doing with spirituality? Am I, am I on the right path? You're absolutely on the right path. And, and I think this ties into what Spirit was saying before, is that you really need to trust yourself. The big thing here for you when it comes to your spirituality is I feel like you need to listen more to your own spiritual guides and teachers. And it's funny because I wrote something down, and what your guides are telling me is they feel like you don't listen to them. Like It's almost like um, you get a thought or an inspiration, and sometimes you might second-guess it or, or over-question it. And Spirit is saying, like, there's nothing wrong with getting advice from other people or reading books or being a part of groups but at the end of the day it's you your guides and God you know what I mean and if your intuition says go left and a book or a teacher says go right you need to go left because that's what's right for you does that make sense yeah okay okay but I will say this I feel like you are on the right path I also feel like you are somewhat mediumistic because when I connect and tap into your energy I actually feel like you hear from spirit through well, it's clear audience, which is clear hearing, but for you, it feels like bright ideas that kind of just pop into your head. Well, that's actually your spirit guys talking to you. And I will say this, what I receive from spirit is that if you haven't already done this, they're saying that you would really benefit from automatic writing, where you just sit down and ask your spiritual guides, what do I need to know today? What is most important? What can you tell me about this person? You take the pen, the paper, and you just write. Um, your guides are already around you. They're very, very clear, um, you know, but they want you to listen to them more. What is it about you, like, second-guessing them? Because they're very clearly. And also there's a grandmother with you in spirit who is part of your spiritual court that kind of, like, stands up. Um, and, and she says something as well. Um, it's a little confusing to me, but she keeps showing, like, something about a baptism with you. So I'm not sure if that was, like, a, a literal baptism or if that was more you being baptized by spirit. But there's a grandmother energy that stands up, and she says that she's in the spirit world. She's part of your spiritual court. She's there with you. Um, they're there to help you. Does that make sense? Like, what is it about the second guessing? 
Um, I'm not sure. I just sometimes I feel like I can hear them real clear, and then I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm just like um, losing my mind or what. But no, yeah, no. That's not it at all. You're not losing your mind at all. No, your guides are talking to you. It's interesting because you have, okay, here's the thing. You have, you have a lot of people in your spiritual court who are from your ancestral bloodline, from your family that have passed over. What I'm feeling right now is a very strong grandmother energy. Let me ask her. I feel like she's on your father's side of the family, but for some reason she keeps showing something about a baptism. Does that make any sense to you? Like, I, like I'm trying to correlate this because she keeps showing a baby being held and she keeps showing me a baptism, and I'm not certain what that means. Oh, maybe. I just had a baby eight months ago, so maybe she wants me to get oh. the baby baptized. Oh, okay. Or I understand. Okay, that's okay. I feel like that might be what it is. What's your child's name? Jerisa. Okay. Well, what, when I connect and tap into that, I do get the sense and impression that that may very well be what it is, that you, you may want to look into having a baptism for your child. But she also shows you as the child and you being baptized. Like I, like I keep, for some reason, I keep seeing that. Um, what I want to say about it is this. You, you know, I don't see this with everybody. Like, so that's why I'm trying to make a distinction. A lot of people that I see, when they have spiritual guides with them, many of these guides are not a part of their bloodline. They're guides that they chose prior to coming here. They chose them in the spirit world, and now they're here. You have a lot of guides that are in your ancestral bloodline, which is letting me know that the psychic and intuitive abilities run through the bloodline. The clear audience runs through the bloodline. The ability to speak with spirit runs through the bloodline. So basically what they're saying is if you're ever confused or worried, lean on us, but you're going in the right direction. Here's the thing. Um, You have in you, and I don't feel like you believe this, but you have in you what a lot of people go to psychic development classes for what a lot of people go to mediumship classes for. You naturally have it. Because you've always had it, it just sort of feels like, you know, like nothing. But it is a gift. Um, Go ahead. Nicole, I've been trying to get my spirit guide's name for years, for the past, since 2011. Can you pick Mm -hmm. up on a name for one of them, please, for me? Well, there there is one name. There's a, a male energy that steps forward, and his name is Patrick. He comes forward. Okay. Um, he steps forward. He's not in your bloodline, but he's a teacher guide. He's a main teacher guide, okay. and he says he was there. He was there when you were born. But here's the thing. Okay. Um, you don't necessarily have to know their names. You just have to know that they're there because here's the thing: they work as a collective. They work as a team. Oh, okay. You know, right? If you really want to know their names, you can just sit down with a pen and paper and ask, "What's your name?" Write it okay. down, first thing that comes. Does that make sense? But there is a main one. His name is Patrick. He's a teacher guy. Okay. Okay. I'll definitely talk to um, all of them now from now on and try to – I've been doing that. Absolutely. I'm trying to get their names, so. But I figure yeah. you can probably gr- either pick up on it. Well, I can, but here's the thing. They're your guides, so they're far closer to you than they are to me. And that's the thing that they want you to understand. There is a gift inside of you that is very natural, you know, and it's your birthright to be able to communicate with your spiritual team. 
you know, and, and that's what they're making me feel. Now, I do want to say something, though, because this grandmother energy keeps coming up. There's a grandmother who passed away on your dad's side of the family. Um, okay, so when I connect and tap into her energy, I just feel like I've lost all of my breath. She makes me feel like there was something connected, though, to almost what feels like a stroke, because I keep being shown, like, almost what feels like circulation cutting off from my body, but I feel like it was a stroke. That's what I keep seeing, but I'm feeling her on the dad side of the family, um, and she keeps saying something about you, a baptism. Um, I keep receiving that. Does that make any sense to you at this time? Maybe I, I got baptized around the time of 2011, and things started happening okay. spiritually for me. A lot of okay. things, Nicole. So okay. maybe she's okay. talking about she wants me. I don't know if I should get another one. I don't think I need another one, but I'm no, connected no. to that. Well, what it is is that she's trying to point to that to let you know she saw that and let you know oh, that's important. Great. And what I also want to say about this particular, okay, for, okay, I'm sorry. For some reason, I'm hearing like a V sounding name. I don't know what this means. It's like a Virginia or Virgil. I keep hearing V, 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 V over and over again. Does that make sense to you? V, 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 V. No. No? Okay. Just write it down. Put it away. For some reason, that name comes up, and I, I don't know. She keeps pushing that. Um, here's what I want to say about this. That particular baptism the guys around you were there. Do you understand? Like they, like they were there to help you with that and to help you through that. Um, I sense for you it's easier to talk to them than you think, okay? Like mm-hmm. every event, they're there for. It's interesting because when you were talking about your child, but the baptism, they were showing you as the baby, like you being baptized, you coming forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've been baptized twice okay. in my life. I was about okay. five, no, about nine, and then I was about five, about five years ago I got baptized again. Okay. I understand. Well, you know, that second baptism, I feel, was a part of your spiritual awakening. And what I see around it is this, um, and this is the final thing I'll leave you with because the show is going to get ready to close in a moment. But um, there's a really good book by Echo Bodine called The Gift. And it talks about psychic abilities. It talks about connecting with your guides. I feel like that's a very good book for you to read. Um, And I also see that automatic writing does work for you. If you just get quiet and just say, what is it that I need to know? And then write down the answer and trust that the answer is correct. You can also use this process to ask them their names. Then they'll tell you. Okay? Okay. All right. Thank you so um, much, Nicole. Oh, you're so welcome, and and I wish you the best, and best of luck with everything, okay? Okay, you too. All right, you take care. Okay, well, um, the show is coming to a close. We've got about a minute left. I know there's some people holding on the lines. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to get to all of you. Um, but one final thing I want to share before I go. Um, I am having a reading special, um, so if I didn't get to you tonight, and you would like a reading, um, I'm offering a 20-minute session for $20. That is a 20-minute psychic reading for $20, not a crossing over, 20-minute psychic reading for $20. Um, just go to NicoleBowman.biz. That offer is good until uh, this time next Wednesday. <laughs> so um, I just want to close in prayer and surround us with the light of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that lives have been touched tonight. I pray that people have received closure. 
And I pray that people connect with their guides, connect with the divine, and we move forward in peace. Um, And to quote Dr. E, a wonderful teacher, we don't rest in peace, we rise in power. So rise in power each and every day. Love you guys. Until next time, take care.